Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. If we could all stand... just want us to go to the Lord in prayer before we get started and ask God to just help us to lay our life down whatever he wants whatever he desires that we want to be just in in position to receive whatever God wants because that's going to make all the difference sometimes it's a, it's a good word and it, it's for us but but we're not in position to receive it. So I would just want us to make sure we're in position to receive the word of God today. Lord Jesus, Lord, I surrender my life to you, God. I surrender my heart to you, Jesus. I lay my life down, God. Lord, I lay my spirit down, God, to the dust from you, where you formed me from, God. I lay it down, Jesus. Lord, God, that your name can be glorified, that the word of the Lord can be planted, Jesus, in a heart that is ready God to receive it Jesus Lord we need your word today God we need you Jesus to help us to get in position God for your word to be Lord maximized God for the seed of the word to be maximized in our life God we thank you Jesus for what you're doing God for what you've done God we pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would move in this place God that your word would go forth God hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus if you could turn to the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4 through 8 <clears throat> Acts chapter 1 4 through 8 It says and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in your own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You can be seated. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray for Austin that he's sick today. Let's just ask God to touch him. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for being a healer. So Jesus says to the disciples, when they're asking some questions that they really didn't have any business asking, they ask, Lord, 
wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of God? Will you restore again the kingdom of God? Will you bring back together Israel and, and, and take rule and reign over, over all of Israel and restore this great kingdom? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put into his own power. But then he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. If you look at those words power, those are actually two different words for power. The first word that Jesus mentioned, um, which the Father hath put into his own power, that's talking about authority taking authority and, and dominion over, over a region or ruling a land. But then he turns around and uses a different Greek word for, for the other power and says, but ye shall receive power. And that power that the Holy Ghost brings is a power that is, is more of like an ability that God puts inside of you. Something that you weren't able to do before, but God gives you an ability, gives you power that you can do anything that God wants you to do they wanted to know if Jesus was going to restore that kingdom they were looking for the promises of God to be fulfilled through the lens of their limited humanistic capacity they were wanting to see some hostile takeovers <laughs> they thought the kingdom needed a, a takeover and a, and a swift hand of justice to seize power and then Restoration and kingdom living would ensue right after that. They thought that God needs to do something. That way everything can be perfect. That we're waiting on God. God, you need to do something. You need to take care of this. They were unaware that their passionate pursuit of the spirit of God would produce the power that would bring the kingdom and that it would start with them that it's not God just doing it but God working through them that's where the power comes from that's where the restoration happens and they, they fail to understand that <clears throat> they couldn't understand what the disciples could not comprehend and what was confusing to them about the will of God for the people would all be cleared up with one touch of the Holy Ghost all the questions that they had how how god how are you going to do this god how are you going to fix this problem that's in my life how are you going to make things better for me how are you going to change my situation and make it better so that i can just be fulfilled and i can have everything that i ever desired they didn't know one touch of the holy ghost could change all of that and and produce something in their life working within them that's what they needed Jesus was proclaiming to them that in order to restore the kingdom there had to be a season of the spirit there had to be a season of the spirit hearts would only be restored by a powerful demonstration of the spirit and by the fruit of the spirit growing growing in their lives they needed, in other words, they needed power beyond their abilities. They didn't need to forcefully make it happen. They didn't need to go in with sword and shield and try to take over, but they needed 
the spirit of God to come over and, and to go beyond their own abilities and their own capabilities and their own skills. That's what the power of the Holy Ghost can do in a life. When we think of power of the Holy Ghost, sometimes we talk a lot about the gifts of the Spirit. We talk a lot about the power that, that you know, we think of power and we think of, I'm going to go lay hands and just cast out demons. That kind of power and taking authority over things. And that is all good. That is all godly. That is all the church. We hear it preached a lot. We want power, we want authority, we want to cast out demons, we want to lay hands on the sick and they recover. That's all apostolic. That's all who we are and what our identity is. It's wrapped up in those things. That's good. We should want those gifts. We should, we should desire those gifts. We should covet those gifts, as the Bible says. But the gifts of the Spirit were not meant to sustain a church. They're not meant to to feed us all the time they're not meant to give us everything we need every single day the gifts of the spirit they're not meant to sustain us but to be a blessing for a moment to turn the hearts of people to the one true living God we look at we look at Jesus walking on this earth we see him blessing lives and and we see him uh, laying hands on the sick and they're recovered and you just start seeing a crowd getting bigger and bigger and bigger following him that they can't get enough of this and then he starts preaching and he starts speaking and sometimes he says stuff that's uncomfortable something that you have to have the spirit of God working in your life to truly understand and then all of a sudden the crowd just start going away so God he has designed the gifts of the spirit for a purpose but God can use anybody God can, can use a sinner to pray a prayer of faith and someone is healed. God can use somebody for something great that's, that's got sin in their life. You know, it, we've said it 100,000 times. If God can use a donkey, then he can use me, right? <laughs> but it's not enough for us to pursue the gifts of the Spirit or look to just get, getting something from God. We don't need to just be looking for the gifts and, and wanting to get power and wanting to get something that we can, you know, sometimes, to be honest, we want power because we want to impress. We want to try to get people to look at us. I mean, the Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. So, you know, God, when God gives you a gift, you know, it's yours. God gives you that gift. That's why there's people on a bar stool, you know, preaching the word of God with anointing. Uh, and they're living in sin because God's given them a gift. But that doesn't mean that they're right and that doesn't mean they're sustained and that doesn't mean that they're where they need to be. So we can get consumed with the gifts and not pursue the gift giver. Not pursue the gift giver. This world is in a desperate need for the true spirit of God. We're in a season, this church is in a season where the manifestation of the Spirit is needed in order to reach and retain the lost souls. Reach and retain. We don't want to just bring people in here and let them feel good and get a miracle and be on their way and they get what they need and then they never, you know, never come back. We want to retain people. We want to retain those that are lost souls. 
So we need to see the fruit of the Spirit active in our everyday life. Galatians 5, 16 through 25, I'm reading the English Standard Version. It shows us what a life that's living in the Spirit looks like and what it produces. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. But these are, opposite, are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here are the works of the flesh. It says sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, uh, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty cut and dry. And then it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, or walk in the Spirit. So we cannot will ourselves. We can't, I see you guys laughing over there because I just taught this in Sunday school. <laughs> I told them, I was like, I promise you, I wrote the message before I looked at the Sunday school book. <laughs> it's just funny how those things happen. But um, we cannot will ourselves to try harder to be more loving, kind, peaceful, patient. We can try. You know, we might say, okay, that person that works in electronics with me, Sister Juwan, they're getting on my nerves. I'm going to be loving to them today. I'm going to be more loving or whatever. I'm going to be more joyful. I'm going to turn their negatives to a positive. Got to accentuate the positive. But you know what? That doesn't always work on our own abilities or it only goes so far. It only goes so far. You know, we cannot, we cannot love like we should love. We, we're not kind like we... We're definitely not patient. Definitely not patient. But these attributes, they're automatic when you're walking in the Spirit. When you're chasing after and pursuing the heart of God, you'll grow these things in your life. It's automatic. We focus sometimes upon this scripture like, okay, I got to, I got to do these things. I got to work harder on it. But no, you got to work harder on pursuing and consecrating yourself to a God who can produce things in your life that you can't produce on your own. You cannot will the fruits of the Spirit. There's no harder work that you can put into these one or two or, or, or seven or eight things. You, you cannot produce them on your own. But they are attributes of the Spirit of God. So the gifts of God, they get people's attention. The gifts of God, the gifts of the Spirit, they get people's attention. But the fruit of the Spirit, they, it keeps them coming back. It causes their souls 
cravings to it causes their soul to crave the attributes of God in their everyday lives the fruit of the spirit and in the church our church is called to grow those through walking in the spirit and through a relationship with God it comes from nowhere else there's no other place that you can you can find this type of of growth is is only in a relationship with God not someone else's relationship with God but your relationship with God my relationship with God sometimes I just wonder if we if we need the gifts of the spirit so bad because we are not being nourished throughout our day we're not being healed every day we're not it's it's like you know if somebody went and ate a whole huge cake and they got sick you know they would need some medicine to help them feel better well if they would just eat fruits and vegetables and eat uh, nourishing things then they wouldn't be sick and they wouldn't need that that surge of something to help them and i'm not saying that things don't happen don't get me wrong i'm not preaching against the gifts of the spirit by any means you know there, you, you could get a blood clot right now and need god to just eliminate it you could get you know break your leg and it's not your fault you know i'm just saying but 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 sometimes we we focus too much on on the wrong thing and if we got the nourishment that we needed every single day maybe we wouldn't have to be be trying to get a power surge from god every time we come in here we would already be living in those places in those in those places where the presence of god is moving John 15, 1 through 8, and verse 16, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye accept can ye accept ye abide in me. I am the vine. In case you're wondering, Jesus is saying, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. A sign of a disciple. We talk about discipleship a lot lately, and we're trying to be disciples and to make disciples out of disciples. And, and that is, is something that we have to have in this church. It's biblical but disciples bear fruit it says right there herein my father is glorified that ye bear much fruit so shall ye be my disciples you have to bear fruit I know I want to glorify the father I know I want to glorify God with everything that I do but we have to be connected to the vine is it that simple yes it's that simple 
It's an everyday plugging into that vine or, or never letting yourself be pulled away from that vine. There's a lot of things that will try to pull you away from the vine. There's a lot of distractions in this world. There's a lot of things that will try and, and keep you from being connected to that vine. But, but if we don't bear fruit, we're going to feel like we're thrown into a fire. We're going to feel like we are useless, that we don't really have a point to our life. We're going to be confused about everything that, that we're supposed to do with our life because we're not bearing any fruit. We're not having anything that sustains life in our lives. So we have to be connected to the vine. We're living in the season of the Spirit. We're living in the season of the Spirit. Only those living in the Spirit will be able to give the souls in this last harvest what they need. I really feel like that, and I've, I've heard other people say that, that, that this last harvest that we're coming to, and believe it or not, this is the end of time. There's, there's plenty of wars and rumors of wars floating around. There's men's hearts failing them. There's people that are, you know, seeing earthquakes and brush fires and all kinds of stuff all across this world. There is crazy stuff happening in places that it never happened before. That is a sign of the end times as the Bible talks about. And we're living in these, in these last days. So this end time revival that we're, we have our own end time revival. We have our own group of souls that we can reach in this community, in these cities that God has put us in. If you're here, then God has called you to this place for a reason, for such a time as this. And so we know there's a harvest out there, but how, why, why are we not seeing people in droves coming in here like we, 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 we heard the word of the Lord. We know several times that people have spoken and said that God was going to give us a storehouse for the harvest. God was going to give us a great harvest here. We have to be led by the Spirit because we, you can almost throw, out, throw it out the window, the traditional ways of witnessing nowadays. It, it's so complicated in this world, in this day and age that we're living in. Sometimes people just hear that you're talking about God and they just want to throw away whatever you gave them. You know, it's not, it's not the days where, where people are, you know, somewhat in tune with God or somewhat understand the scriptures. Yes, there's people out there still that, that have seeds planted in them from, from a long time ago. But, but we're living in a place where there are souls that are ready right now. But maybe we're not in the spirit and walking in the spirit, myself included, that you know, are we walking in the spirit every day and, and being ready for the souls that we interact with? Maybe, maybe they are ready. We just don't think they are because they didn't say nothing about church or say nothing about Jesus when we were talking to them. But maybe, just maybe, there's a, there's a dimension in the spirit where we can discern some things, where we can feel some things, and, and we, can, we can show them fruit that we are bearing in our life. And they, those that are hungry will, will be looking for that. They're deprived of those things. <clears throat> the only way we will be, be sustained in our personal life and as a church body is the fruit of the Spirit being grown in, in every life. In every life. If you think about a child that receives gifts all the time, they tend to get really spoiled really quickly, right? Right? 
They're, they're constantly getting gifts thrown at them. They're going to get spoiled really quickly, and they're going to just be looking for that. Hey, did you bring me anything today, Dad? Hey, did you bring me anything, Mom? Somebody should, you know, get to some real spiritual stuff and read, read Berenstein Bears. They've got a really good book about that. Berenstein Bears get the gimmies. But these kids, you know, if, if you, anybody would expect gifts over and over again if you kept giving it to them, and then they're looking for that gift. They're looking for that. That's the thing that they want. They're not thinking about the gift giver. Yet a child that receives a well-balanced and nourished life, they tend to be grateful through every single season. You know, they tend to be grateful when they get a gift every once in a while. So what's the key to bearing fruit then? If that's what we need, what is the key to bearing fruit? John 12, 24 and 25 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So we have to do something that's not always easy. Have you ever heard anybody say, die daily? Die daily? We have to return to the ground and die and abide alone. We have to alone make the decision that we are going to not serve our flesh, but we have to kill our flesh every single day. We have to um, lay our life down as a living sacrifice. That's the highest form of worship to God is a life that's laid down before him in everything that, he, that they do. No one can lay your life down for you. No one can make that decision for you. You have to make it yourself. You have to lay your own life down completely today. You have to if you want to see the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. You think that the farmer enjoys, you know, breaking his back every day. He might enjoy being a farmer. There might be aspects of it, but it's at the end of the day, it's hard work. At the end of the day, it's a decision to get up. When the rooster crows, you get up, you go out, you work. Why? Because it's worth it. But you can't look at today and how I'm feeling today. You have to look at the bigger picture that there is a harvest out there and there are people that are going to go to hell if we are not doing what we're supposed to do every day. When we don't die every day, then someone's dying and going to hell. You must abandon all that doesn't sustain, all that distracts you from his presence. All that keeps you from finding an altar and giving Jesus your all. You have to abandon those things. You have to abandon the thoughts of what is somebody going to think when they look at me when I come up here. You got to abandon that. And you got to say, I'm just going to get a hold of God. I'm going to lay my life down and see where God takes me. To die is to say, Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, thy will be done. And it starts in this church and it starts with us. We have to be willing to lay our lives down. 
We need to surrender our all before we can ever expect to be a witness to the world. If we go out there and we don't have fruit, we have nothing to offer them that's going to sustain them. Nothing that they'll want. We'll just look like everybody else. They're going to know us by, by the fruit that we bear, by our love for one another. The love that we show. It's the fruit of the Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, when Jesus says, ye shall be witnesses, it's not talking about passing out just chick tracks in a phone booth or something, which there ain't no phone booths anymore, but I remember finding a chick track. Does anybody know what that is? I know Brother Ron knows. Chick tracks, they were just, you know, basically a comic book that at the end, someone would like be thrown into the deep pit of hell and it's supposed to scare you, you know, and it was usually about Halloween or something. But anyway, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about, being a witness. It's just passing out tracts. All those things are, are good. I'm not saying anything's wrong with those, with those deals. It's not talking about joining somebody behind you in Taco Bell. That's awesome. Thank God somebody did that for me a couple times. Somebody joined me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where someone pays for your food when they're in front of you in the drive-thru. I'm like, man, why didn't I get more food? <laughs> oh. But that's not, that's not what God's talking about when he, when he says being a witness. Witness comes from the word martis, M-A-R-T-Y-S, which is where we get the word martyr from. So he was telling them they were going to be basically martyrs. They're going to be laying their life down dying for the gospel this is a radical calling and i'm not trying to say that to scare anybody and we live pretty safe here but i'm just saying that god is calling us to lay down our lives that no matter what happens that we are okay with it that we surrender to it because god knows what's best for us and god knows what is going to make us truly happy and make us truly you know Feeling, feeling good about what God wants. Laying our life down. It's a radical calling, though, from a radical God who's radically pursuing the lost. In the lost world, it's going to hell if we don't give them something that they can't get anywhere else. So it's, it's, it's a sobering thought. Thinking about that Maybe we don't have what, what they're looking for. Maybe we need to re-examine ourselves and see if we're bearing fruit. That it's not just gifts that we're after, but it's the fruit of the Spirit that they're hungry for. 2 Timothy 2, 6-7 says, The husbandmen that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruit. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. This is Paul talking to Timothy. So we as laborers must be first partakers of the fruits. If we're not bearing fruit and sharing fruit here first and partaking of the fruit here, then we don't have any chance of, of, of giving it out there. We have to bear, we have to be first partakers 
I heard a preacher talk about one time that the oxen is the first partaker of, of the harvest. You know, the, the oxen plows the field and gets it all ready and then they plant it. And as they're harvesting and, and they're running their combine or whatever it would be called that would be attached to the, to the oxen, the oxen's walking through and eating the first part of the harvest, first fruits. We have to we have to realize that we have to make sure that we're ready and I'm not saying that we need to just be inwardly looking at ourselves all the time and never reach out but we need to have something to give something we have to have something to give something we must be first partakers of the fruit and here in the church it has to be an active garden we have to be sharing we have to be giving we have to be growing we have to touch heaven in our personal devotions to the spirit and the word. We have to. When we touch heaven, we release the reign of the spirit. That's what we do. We release the reign of the spirit upon our church and the fruit will automatically grow. You're not out there trying to like stretch the fruit or, or like, you know, swell it or something, punch it till it swells. I don't know. You're not out there trying to do that you don't have to try to force it. Who can force fruit to grow by, by the works of, of their own hands? You know, you, yeah, you can put nutrition in the ground. You can, you can put water on it, and then it will grow. But who can force by just telling it to, to grow? Nobody. But we can release the reign of the Spirit upon the church, and that fruit will automatically grow. It's just the natural order of things. If we could all stand. I feel like God is calling someone to a deeper consecration. And I know that we're, we, we, we're just in a new year. We're halfway through the first month of a new year. A little bit more than that. And it's a time where you know we do reflect on where we're going, what we're doing. We're about to start the week of prayer and fasting. And I, I believe that there is really going to be fruit that can be grown in this soil of this church that people are looking for. We can go out there and we can pray for the sick. We can go to the streets. We can cast out demons. We can go to the nursing home and pray for every one of them and they all get up and start running. But if we don't have the fruit of the Spirit that's truly going to change their lives and get them hungry for a God that they can't get his attributes and they can't get his peace and they can't get his joy anywhere else, then what's the point of it? The harvest of souls is already promised and his word is true. It's already done as far as heaven is concerned. We just got to release it from the heavens. We've got to pray until the rain falls until and it, it's not a coming in here on a Sunday or a Wednesday and praying in the altars alone it's an everyday prayer it's an everyday prayer God break up the fallow ground Lord break open the heavens Lord release the rain of heaven and just wash upon us that we can grow fruit that we can bear fruit because when they eat the fruit 
their seeds and the fruit and they're going to ingest those seeds and they're going to grow fruit themselves. They're going to be hungry and thirsty. They're going to produce it in their own lives. Maybe we haven't seen the harvest like we wanted to yet because there is not enough fruit to sustain and, and disciple the souls that are waiting. Maybe we haven't seen it because of that. Because we don't have yet what they need. I'm not saying that there's nobody in here bearing fruit. I've, I've experienced that so many times from so many of you bearing fruit in my life that I've benefited from, that I've grown from. And I'm so thankful for that. But we can do so much more. We don't need just 5, 10% of the people to be growing all the fruit in this place. We need every one of us, every one of you to grow that fruit. <clears throat> Maybe there's key people that the Lord's waiting for waiting for them to get desperate that they cry out like Elijah and pray again and the heavens give rain and the earth brought forth her fruit maybe God's waiting for someone to every day wake up and pray that God would open up the heavens we need peace in our homes peace in our church peace in our everyday in every moment of our lives we need peace we need to show that peace to the world that is hungry that's one thing that they definitely cannot get anywhere else they can try to substitute but in the, in the end they're just spinning their wheels and they don't have that peace but we have true peace James 3:17 and 18 says but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. We need some peacemakers in this place. But it won't happen without a personal harvest in the season of the Spirit, when we're feeling the touch of the Spirit and the pull of the Spirit in this place, we need to be growing fruit in the season of the Spirit. If you feel like that God is tugging on your heart today, and you feel like that you want to be consecrating, reconsecrating yourself to God today. And you feel like that you want to bear fruit or you're not bearing the fruit that God is wanting in your life. Or you feel like that every time you try to get to God and you try to pursue after God that, that something's trying to rob you, why don't you come down here today and reconsecrate yourself to God and say, God, I'm going to pursue you. I'm not going to try to just get gifts from you, God, but I'm going to pursue you with all my heart and bear fruit in this city that is dry, this city that is hungry, this city that is weary from all of the drugs, all of the alcohol, all of the addictions all of the 
immorality, all the things that never satisfy and never never bring peace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, we need you, God, today. We need you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus.